Welcome back to the Agency Freedom Podcast. We help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. First time on the podcast that we've done anything like this, but I had a great conversation with some uh, friends of mine in a, a casual, you know, picking my brain sort of thing. They reached out and, and wanted to talk about our submission process, the workflow, the stuff we do with the ENS and wholesaler MGA side of uh, the insurance industry, which <laughs> unfortunately, I don't say this is any kind of bragging. I'm, I wish it weren't this way, but uh, probably half of all of our business at Riskwell is ENS. And the conversation ended up dovetailing into other interesting subjects and got talking a lot about uh, niching down and the way uh, that we operate uh, as leaders in creating room for our people to flourish turned into a really interesting conversation, and I was uh, smart enough to hit record at the beginning of it uh, so I could give them a copy for their future use, but then it occurred to me, wait a second, this would be a great podcast episode to see you know, firsthand uh, some folks talk and shop. So full disclosure, uh, I have removed any identifying features of uh, this conversation, so you won't hear agency name or the principles or anything like that. And uh, I mess with their voice a little bit so you don't recognize exactly who it is. So uh, don't try to Sherlock Holmes this thing and figure out uh, who the guests are. Just sit back, relax, enjoy the content. I think you'll find it very useful. And that's it for the lead-in. Let's hit the bumper and get after uh, this unique episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're gonna have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at Riskwell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. So first, I'd like to just ask you on the front end, obviously you have your uh, some sort of pre-submission, mm -hmm. what you do every time, whether it's a checklist or a, mm -hmm. um, forms that you're having filled out or uh, you know certain questions you're asking, qualifiers, whatever. Um, so I guess the question for you is dealing with so many MGAs and what they're good at, whatever, do you kind of keep track of what goes where, like in a mm -hmm. spreadsheet, do you have a flow chart? Like what are you using for that? Before we get to that level of specificity, I think staying at a 30,000 foot level for just a second, you're going to do yourselves a whole bunch of favors if you figure out ahead of time what your go, no-go process is. If you're prospecting something, obviously you have control of your pipeline. One of the hardest parts about being very inbound heavy 
that nobody really thinks about until you have a lot of inbound success, you become a little bit slave to whatever rings the bell, as they say. A lot of people think that I'm bragging when I say that we are almost 100% inbound. What that means is I'm out there in the marketplace playing Rainmaker, making the phone ring, making the inbox chirp. But what I've had to do over the last 18 months or so, as the market has just gotten harder and harder and harder and harder, and now in Texas, it's, it's hard. It is very, very, very hard. We have to be very particular about what we're willing to do and what we're not willing to do. We say no a lot more than we used to. And it's nothing but a survival mechanism, honestly. So before you start talking about process, I would just challenge you guys to think about who do we want to be as an office? What do we want to accomplish in the marketplace? I, I know you guys well enough to know that you probably have a very well-defined ideal client profile. You probably have defined your mission, your vision, your values for the office and what you guys are about and what your big picture trying to accomplish. I would encourage you to take that one step further where your mission, your vision, your values correspond directly to daily activities. Because at my shop, our on-the-wall core values were not translating to daily activities. And I was a bit of a hypocrite because I'm on these podcasts talking about all the things that we do in our discovery process and disqualifiers and blah, blah, blah. But the people on my team weren't doing what I thought they were doing half the time. And we had a bunch of stuff that was in our pipeline that didn't belong in our pipeline that my team was chasing down. They're painful to close. They always complain about stupid stuff. They're cheapskates. We have non-pay issues. They go on cancel for non-pay watch. We have to chase them down and get them back. We've had to, you know, we did the whole reinstatement thing. And finally, I was like, look, if you have a cancel non-pay in your first term, if you fix it on your own, good. We're not chasing you and you're blacklisted. It, like if you have a cancel non-pay and you don't come to us with a really good explanation, you're permanently blacklisted. Because if you're running a good shop, if you're running your business well, you're not going to have a cancel non-pay. And just little stuff like that. Uh, we can go all the way into to whatever. And I set aside extra time on the back end because I figured I just thought it was going to be me. And but now that the three of you are here, I know for sure we're going to blow past 30 minutes. So if you guys want to stay a little bit longer, that's fine with me. Is that helpful from a, a starting point before we even get into the granular stuff to just camp out on mission, vision, or vision, mission values for a little bit? I think it helps, but we that's what we did this last year is we're taking, we completely agree, our core values, and we have integrated that into our daily activities and how we operate from top to bottom. Now, it hasn't been fully done, yes. but I think we might have told you in Phoenix, or like we came together, we fired like half our staff and hired all these brand new people. So we realized um, yes. having the core that's values, right. but that's it right. helps you say that I made a note. So as we build out, you know, one of the things we're niching down is, is trucking, right? So I don't know if we've thought about mm -hmm. that as much, like we've gone over core values and we're talking about one of them is compete. So when our new agent is working with these business people, right? Competing means you do whatever you can to help them and you might not get the sale, right? Which leads into another core value of being whatever compassionate that. So I think. Yeah. 
honing in on that as we look what, at our what, processes is is a good reminder and even more important. I don't know if we look at it as much in sales as we should. One of the things that I'm really stuck on right now, I read the book, 10X is Easier Than 2X. And one of the things they talk about in there is always be the buyer. Don't be the seller. And what that means for us, for folks like us in this game, is we are not pitching. We're not asking. We are out in the marketplace trying to decide which clients we want to buy. Because the moment that someone says, yes, they're your problem. They're your responsibility to represent them. Your team has to service them. You have to advise them. They expect you to be whatever. But when you're the buyer, you're going into the marketplace with a discerning eye, not going, who do I need? You're going, who do I want? Who do I want to have as a client? And when you go into it with a buyer mentality instead of a seller mentality, you're guaranteed to get more of your ideal client profile, but you're also going to naturally steer away from people that you really don't want to work with. Because if you don't need them, then you're going to be operating from a want perspective, from a buyer perspective, which is way more powerful and, and leads to a lot of the better accounts rather than you getting into that pitching mode of, oh, I hope they say yes. Like, well, if you're in the I hope they say yes mode, okay, well, you're a seller and you're probably in need mode rather than want mode. You're probably more likely to write accounts that may not be in your ICP. Makes so, sense. Because you guys are strong enough. You have enough revenue coming in. You don't need any account, any account. You, you may not even have a single account that represents more than 2 or 3% of your company's revenue. Well, to that point, has fired a lot of commercial clients this year. And what, what that does, it, it <laughs> creates a lot of power in the conversation because you're able and you're able to teach your team, these new producers that are coming on, to operate from a buyer's perspective, from a, a perspective of want instead of need because... You have enough revenue coming in to make payroll. You're profitable as an agency. So you're able to make really smart decisions and not chase marginal prospects because you have to, to make payroll. Because that's a horrible place to be in. That was where I was the first two years of Riskwell. Now, four years in, we're able to be a lot more discerning in what, we, what we're willing to put up with, basically. Absolutely. So... Yeah. Um, to answer your question, because I don't want to dance around it the whole time, we take the same approach with our strategic partners, with our MGAs, with the wholesalers that we choose to work with. We have fired four wholesalers in the last 12 months and, and reallocated our focus to now we only have three. For everything that we do, we only have three wholesalers, and three and a half, kind of. And you're in multiple states, right, James? Like you're, you're, yeah, 42 states, unfortunately. So I thought, okay. It's exhausting. Yeah. If it weren't for the real estate investors, we'd be in like six states. But we have real estate investors literally all over the country. And my rule for that was it has to be at least 50,000 in premium. Cause if it's 50,000 in premium, then I know we've got about 12,000 in revenue minimum, which means that it's enough revenue to put up with the nonsense. And we, we would tell people, it's like, hey, we'd love to come to your state. We need 50000 in premium commitment, minimum. 
So if you want us to come to your state, bring your friends. We need 50,000 in premium on the books, which means we need to quote about 80 or 90,000 to get 50 on the books. And we, we would tell people, hey, I, I, I see that you're in Wyoming. I'd love to help out. I need 50,000 in premium on the books. So you, you want to make that happen? Let's go. And people would literally like recruit their friends who are also real estate investors and bring them together. It was like, here we go. We got 100,000 in premium. Let's write these things. It was like, all right, cool. Let's do it. It's a good marketing strategy. <laughs> because I, man, opening a new state's a pain in the butt. I don't want to do that. Yeah. So what so, I've heard, what I've heard is it's kind of what we tried to do is reduce the amount of carriers we have, right? So mm -hmm. in your mind too, you really need to reduce the amount of MGAs to the least amount you can that you need, right? Yep. And that's, yep. that's a that's a good tip. There's so many positives to that. You have less mouths to feed. You have less relationships to keep track of. You have fewer processes to master. So in this market cycle, certainly for the next 18 to 24 months at a minimum, simplicity and efficiency drives profit, drives everything else that we're all trying to do. It, this is not a sexy time to be an insurance agent. This is get in the dirt, get down and dirty. And the ones that are able to grind it out and have really good process and really good discipline to follow the process, the M&A activity in the next 18 months is going to be friggin' bonkers because so many people are going to be like, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. This sucks. I hate this crap. And, and they're going to cash out and they want to just be a producer. They don't want to handle the whole running an agency thing. I have literally five of those conversations right now, three for M&A and two for producer, where people are just tired of the grind. They don't want to do it anymore. And that's going to happen a lot in the next 18 and 24 months where folks are just going to get burned out hard because the hard market is super, super hard. And I don't think that's going to be any of us. The opportunities for those that are buttoned up, that are disciplined, that are following a simple, efficient strategy for just boom, boom, boom. Oh, you want this? Sorry, that's not our office. That's not who we are. We're not able to help there. Yep. Literally yesterday, I had a conversation with someone who contacted us and wanted us to do something that was good money. It was probably five or six grand in revenue when you factor in our fee and whatnot. But it was just not even a, close to adjacent to what we're doing. And I had to say, hey, I appreciate you reaching out. Like Our office is not set up for your business vertical. In order for us to do it profitably, I'd have to charge you a large fee and you would balk at what I would charge you in a fee. And he's like, what are we talking about? I was like, my fee on top of the commission would probably be three or four grand a year. And on your account, you're probably not going to be happy with that. He's like, no, I'm not. I was like, okay, then have a nice day. I was like, now, granted, I shot my shot because if it's a 10 grand revenue account, yeah, I'll put up with it. Right. But if it's five or six, nah, fam. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, James, because you're in multiple states. Do you, you charge fees? Do you know every state you can charge a fee in? We have a matrix we've built for whether you can charge a fee in addition to commission, if you have to net your commission and be fee only, if the fee is taxable, if you have to have a surplus lines broker license or if you can do it with a general lines producer license yeah now one thing you guys probably haven't considered this and it'd be really hard for trucking anyway trucking's a bad vertical for this so ignore me for for trucking and transportation i'm in the middle of standing up probably two programs definitely one maybe two it's easier than i thought it would be if you know what you're doing if you have the right partners 
don't overlook the opportunity of getting a surplus lines broker license in Arizona and wherever other states you have a lot of business and cutting out the MGA entirely and acting as both wholesaler and retailer and running your own program. If you have a niche that you're going after hard, especially if it's a niche that's not completely saturated, having your own program is a lot easier than you might think. And it's really profitable because once you stand it up, you can make it available to other retail agents and take between five and eight points, depending on how you want to structure it. And then you guys are the wholesalers. Hey, Freedom Jumper, are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. Interesting. Yeah, we've, we've actually discussed that. I've discussed that with David a handful of times. You want to be really, really intentional with how you do it because the moment you start accepting other retail agents, it's a whole different conversation. But if you're doing a very, very small program, it can be very profitable. And you get to cut out the MGA, which means one variable in the equation is eliminated, which means the opportunities for failure are a lot fewer. Yeah. 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 There's a concept in Lean Six Sigma methodology that talks about single point failures, where it's like in order for the operation to fail this one thing it only has to be it came from nasa and like spacex and whatnot but it is a single point failure and anything that you can do to eliminate those single point failure opportunities and the definition of a single point failure is just there's only one thing has to go wrong for the whole thing to fall apart mm -hmm. you know if you have redundancy if you have backups if you have contingencies it's not a single point failure if two people have their hands on the pot, then the pot's not a single point failure. But if there's only one hand on the pot, that's a single point failure. Yeah. So eliminating those single point failures in this market cycle, I think is something that everybody should be doing more of. We should be doing more of because eliminating the opportunities for something to go to hell in a handbasket that fast, that's really important because every account is important no, I, right I, now. You're smart, James, for thinking about that because I I actually do a lot with NASA or not do a lot, but I study NASA a lot and the James Hubble telescope, there was like 350 single point failures on that, but I never thought of translating that to business, but you're absolutely right. That's smart. Yeah, I I nerd out about all that stuff and we were watching the the documentary on, I think it was, was it on Netflix with the James? That, Just came out two weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, the replacement for the Hubble, yeah. the James Webb telescope. Yes. Yeah. And just like the solar ray had 260 yeah. single point failures on its own. I, I'm a geek for the Lean Six Sigma stuff anyway. And I was watching the documentary. I was like, single point failure, single point failure. <laughs> it, was, <Right? laughs> it was like, yes. 
Mm. Uh, yes, of course you are. Yes. Oh right? man. But no, that's a great way to think about it in business too. It's like if 100%. one CSR can single-handedly ruin an account and piss everybody off because they screwed up and there's no redundancy, there's yeah. no accountability. That CSR is a single point failure that needs to be addressed. And it's like, yep. I'm a single point failure at times. If I drop the ball and there's no redundancy, there's no backup, there's nothing to stop me from screwing it up completely. I'm a single point failure. And it's like, everybody has to have some kind of backup plan, some kind of contingency or accountability, or else the whole operation is at risk. Yeah. So what else? I don't mean to just ramble incessantly. No, it's good stuff. I mean, that my issue is my brain works more on a granular level anyway. So like every question I'm going to ask you is more on a granular level. So no, that's fine. Fire away, I'm man. just trying to think of more general questions because this is all helpful. I, I just you want to know about our submission process. That's where we started this pro- this conversation. Was what is risk well submission process? Yeah. So you're let's talk about single point failures. Then what have you identified? What 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 are the key things that you have pulled from starting out and doing this? Right. Mm-hmm. Have been your major failures that you've been able to correct and and made the process much more streamlined. I'm really, really bad at checking up on people. When I, I'm great at installing a process, I'm very poor at holding people accountable for the process. So for me as a leader, my growth this year has been taking my hand off the steering wheel, which is so hard, allowing the other people to have their hands on the steering wheel, like Addy, my ops manager, like Jennifer, my director of uh, the commercial department. We have a line in the sand where she handles everything 10 grand and under. And sorry, not yet. January 1, it moves to 10 grand. Right now, it's five grand and under. Everything that's less than 5,000 in revenue for the office, she handles. And I'm the point of contact for everything that's over five grand in revenue. But that's moving to 10 on January 1 because I got to get out of production. I cannot be in production if we're going to go where we need to go, where I want to go. Need and want. There you go. I want to go places where I can't go if I'm in production. So James, are you going to have something in place? This is what I'm hearing from my standpoint, because I think we're the same way. The three of us is what is, are you going to have a dashboard or what are you going to have a place so you can see that, right? Like you don't have to be in there. You have people that are running that and, and you're bad at checking up, but I'm sure you still want to see, right? Like you want to see what's coming in. You want to be able to, analyze all that data are you putting something in place so you can have i'm not analyzing the data and i'm not seeing what's coming in i'm making people on my team responsible for those things and i'm responsible for the people that are responsible for those things i want to manage people i don't want to manage anything ground floor i want to have i want to have three you know two or three people that i'm responsible for as far as leadership and training and coaching and whatnot And then make sure that those people are handling their people the way that they're supposed to, because then I get to go be Rainmaker. I get to be the face of the agency. I get to go to Chamber of Commerce and take the speaking engagement and write the book and create the content and make the phone ring and make the email inbox pop and then have one-on-ones with my key leaders and see how things are going and pop in with everybody on the team on occasion and say, hey, how's it going? Can I help you with anything and make sure that every single member of the team, even those that are more than one level 
from me. Like our, we only have three levels right now. There's the, we have five people on the first row of the org chart. And then we have two people on the second row. And then there's me and my wife at the top. So I'm mostly responsible for those two people that are below me on the org chart. And they're responsible for the other five people, those two people. So from there, it's just a staying in front of reports once a week. And when I see a variance on something, then I just say, hey, what's going on here? If I hear about a phone call and I pull phone calls all the time and just listen to people talk to clients or prospects. And then we have those uh, those weekly coaching calls. And the thing that you guys may like this, you may appreciate this. The team is responsible for building the agenda for the call. I don't build any agenda for the call. They are responsible for taking the items from the week. If there's a rough call, if there's something that they want to talk about, if they want to get coached up on some skill or some sales thing or some technique or whatever, it's on them. Because when we literally on Thursdays at 10 a.m. and then Tuesdays at 9 a.m., the two different teams, I sit down and I say, cool, what are we talking about today? And it's on them to make the agenda. They're responsible for building the agenda. And if they're not building the agenda and they're missing their numbers, then I have to get a lot more involved. And nobody wants me to be more involved. I don't want to be more involved. They don't want me to be more involved. So there's there's a yep. there's an unspoken rule of come to the meeting ready to talk about something. Because if you're not, then I'm just going to riff for 30 or 45 minutes and it may be less relevant for you. Yeah, our team doesn't want involved because that guy is mean when he's got to get serious. I've only seen mean a couple of times, and I don't want to see that guy. You, you've never seen mean. No one's seen mean. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I've seen really serious a couple of times. Yeah. I've probably never seen mean. You're probably right. It doesn't happen. Is that is that useful for what you guys are are trying to get done here? Yeah, all this is good. It, oh, you got to raise the bar for the people on the org chart. It, expect more of them. Give them more latitude to reach, to grow, to develop, to fail, and learn from their failure. If I had to guess, and I don't, obviously, I'm not in a regular relationship with you guys. We don't have regular calls, so I don't know firsthand. But just from my perspective up to this point, I would imagine the three of you probably are doing more than you should be. You're probably more involved as as a triumvirate. You're probably doing more than you should be. You'd be right. We're actually working on this right now. You're 100% right. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it's building out verticals, right? Um, but for our personal lines, it's more involved. But we're actually doing that. Like, we're a lot like you. We don't. You've met a lot of agency owners that want control. Like, the three of us don't want control. Like, we could care less about that. And a lot of people do. Yeah. So we're actually bringing in. We have two managers that run the day-to-day -day for personal lines. We we're not passionate about personal lines, but it makes money. And if it keeps going and it pays all the bills, we're we're looking to build out our niches in commercial, right? Yep. Like personal lines take care of itself. We have managers, they can get paid as it prop as it prospers. Yep. You know, um, you hit comp but, them based yes. on base salary and then bonus on performance, right? Right. Right. There you so go. I mean, the the thing about the super control freak principles. They always run small offices. I don't know a single super big control freak principal that's running anything that's like, whoa, they've got a great shop over there, man. They're killing it. 
because it's impossible. It, you can't yeah, do it. Long. You only have a certain number of hours, man. You yeah. have to release control. You have to give your team opportunity to fail and fail big. That's the only way you grow. Otherwise, you're 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 rate limited. You're capped. Yeah. What else? Well, so you said you fired some. Let me ask you this: Sorry, your MGAs, right? You worked with a handful, mm-hmm. and based upon you know we've done the same thing. Mm-hmm. We have to have strategic MGAs we use because we're writing in about twenty states for our leads, and it's 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 working well. So, but you know, RPS Kansas City might have may, they might not have. Canal and Northland in these states where RPS in Colorado does whatever. I'm just throwing that out there, right? So what did you have so your people can go? Here's a risk you want. Here are our options based upon our MGAs, whether it was a handful you had before you fired them or even the two you have. So you can can know exactly where to go, where to submit it, the market that would take this and so Mm -hmm. forth. What do you have put together for that? I don't have a good answer for that one because... We do a very small number of things at a very high volume. If it's a small GC, rehabber, flipper, real estate developer, property manager, residential or commercial, doesn't matter. We're it's it's go. It is green light from day one. It almost doesn't matter what the prospect says because we're going to set expectations in the discovery call of what the premium minimum is. And we weed out a lot of folks by saying, hey. The, the the annual cost for this program starts around, in this case, we usually use four or five grand. Like it starts around four or five grand. I don't know what your ballpark was, but I love telling them that in discovery. Because if you know enough about their vertical, you know without even getting anything in the weeds. You don't have to ask them really any question at all. Where are you located? What kind of business you're in? What's your annual revenue? What's your payroll? What's your sub cost? Okay. I can tell you within about 10 or 15% what your premium is right now without looking at anything else, without even talking to an underwriter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you guys can do the same thing in your verticals. You can ask five or six questions and get within 15, 20% of the, the actual cost. Tell me about your losses. Oh, you don't have any? Great. Well, check. How long have you been in the business? 10 years? Check. That makes everything easier. The be- I know I'm preaching the choir here, but I have to say this. When you kick things off of your plate, you're able to go deeper in a smaller number of things, which gives you a systemic advantage instantly because you know the underwriters, you know the questions they're going to ask, you know more about the vertical, you know where the landmines are hidden. You remember that a year ago, you forgot to ask this one question and it blew up in your face a month after binding. And you ask that question religiously now. Like the more you can close down the niche and go deeper and deeper and deeper into a smaller number of things, you become dangerous in the market because all these schmucks out there are slinging price. And you can tell someone, hey, if you're looking for a cheap price, we're not the shop. There, There's always going to be someone who costs less than we do. And I'm not going to bore you with the Carruthers conversation on the difference between price and cost. We all know how he feels about that. You guys have all heard that, I'm guessing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cost, yes. Price, no. There's always someone who's going to have a lower price, but we're more concerned with the total cost, including retained losses. Because everything that you don't transfer to an insurance policy, you're retaining that risk and that loss for your business. When you can say things like that that aren't insurance agenty, 
you automatically sound different. So like, I'm a huge fan of you guys kicking stuff off your plate left and right, because all three of you are professionals. All three of you are likable dudes. Like you already have credibility. You already have the likability factor. Maybe not quite so much, but the other two definitely have the likability factor. But you guys have a huge advantage going into the conversation. So the more you can have the Chris Voss kind of conversation, well, let me tell, let me think about it. Hmm. Sounds like there's something you're still hung up on. The more you can have the 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 Josh Braun detachment of how do you want to proceed? So it's been a good conversation. I'd like to have you for a client. From my perspective, it feels like we're a good mutual fit. There's a lot of benefit here for for both of us. How would you like to proceed? Does it make sense to have a second call? Does it make sense to proceed with going to market? Oh, okay. Well, you want to go to market. If, if you're going to market, these are the things that I'm going to need from you. Do you feel comfortable with that request? Is there any sort of pushback or resistance in allowing me to have a representation letter? Are you prepared to fire your current representation? Because if we proceed, I'm going to ask you to fire your current representation. Is that something you are emotionally and mentally prepared to do? Asking that question explicitly is so stinking powerful. Yeah. Because when when you work in really small niche, you have a lot more confidence in asking that question than you may not if you're quasi-specialist. If you're doing 10 different things, I would argue you're not a specialist. If you're doing three to five things, over and over and over and over and over again, I would argue that you probably are a specialist. And you have a lot more confidence in the entire sales process because you have kicked a bunch of things off of your plate. It makes everything easier. Every process you guys have, every accountability you have, training your team, onboarding new team members, finding new team members. Because there's a producer somewhere that friggin' loves one profile of insured. And if all they did all day, all every week, every month was go after this one profile of insured, they are happy as could be. And when you niche down, you can go out there and say, Hey, producers in America, friggin' anywhere, anywhere in the country, we're looking for a producer in this vertical that loves to talk with this kind of person. Get at me. Cause you know, there's a producer out there somewhere that gets up in the morning thinking about that vertical they go to the trade shows they show up at the networking breakfast for whatever they eat sleep and breathe that industry so when when you niche down you're you're gonna find those people yep i completely agree that's why we're doing this too right that's why we've gotten rid of one of our commercial producers left last year and we looked at the surplus lines book and we just when i were like it's gone we just get rid of it and now it feels it actually feels good where Leads come in and we just send them away, right? We have someone we just send them to um, because we found that out. So, yep. Okay. I don't know if I have any other questions, but I don't know if you do. No, it's good. I mean, I I think whenever we go on these calls, we always think how it's going to go and then it goes a different direction and it's always a more positive direction. So um, I think we've really taken a good bit of, of qualifying needs to be more of a priority, even though we, we do talk about that a lot. We have our, we have our certain requirements of people and and who's going to do business with us. But, you know, I think we can dive a little deeper into it. Right. I think sometimes I just start to, to get a little too much into the weeds in my thought process when it comes to the process and, 
in reality, there's really no wrong process as yep. long as we have a process. And so, no, this awesome. has been good. Happy to help, guys. I, I love this sort of thing, man. It gets me fired up. It reminds me of all the stuff I'm supposed to be doing in my agency. Well, here's the thing about you, James. Everybody yeah. talks about it. Very few people execute it. I don't know your business inside and out, but it seems like you actually execute it, which is why we wanted to talk to you. So, Yeah. There, there's a very small list of things that I execute well. And if I recognize it myself that I am not going to execute it well, then I will assign it to someone on my team or we will just agree that we're not going to do that thing. Yeah, yeah. Because the last thing we want to do is say something's important and then act like it's not important. Right. No. Yeah. No, and it's good just to get on this call. You know, this is what there's 40,000 independent agents. And I'm sure when you talk to your carrier reps or different companies, they probably are amazed at what you do because there's so many people out yeah. there that, just our average, right? So it's good to get on a call because our inner, our group circle, right? The people we know, we know people that are striving to continue to yeah, improve and get better. So it's just good to get on the call with other people like that and just, you know, be reminded because you gotta keep pushing, right? Man, I, I'm I'm absolutely on a mission for kicking stuff off the plate and being excellent at a very small number of things. And and just not doing a whole lot of things that we used to do. And I think it's it's impossible to be really excellent and even potentially best in class at a large number of things, especially when there's only three principles. You guys aren't a large organization. I don't know how many people you have, probably yeah. somewhere between 10 and 20 people on your entire organization. There's not nearly enough of you guys to be excellent at a large number of things. You have to pick what you want to be excellent at. And I think if you're answering that question for the three of you and there's a trickle down, man, you guys are going to crush the second half of this year. Good place to stop. Good place to stop. Thank you, James. Yeah. Hey, appreciate your time. We know you're busy. Yeah, thank you. Always. Okay. Talk soon, fellas. I'll send out the uh, the recording link in the cloud. You guys can do whatever you want with it. Beautiful. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. 
really. We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you've got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.